We've been doing this uh, series on uh, Zerubbabel, and this is actually the first time I've done it. Now, I've talked about our prophetic history before, but I've never, I've never one time in 10 years taught on the message of Zerubbabel. I typically have done that in the Encounter Jesus School. So for all of you who have taken the Encounter Jesus School, you have eaten of that revelation, but, but I haven't really um, released it to the body as, as a whole. And the Lord told me uh, through a prophet because I, I'm writing the book, and the Lord told me to write the book. How many of you have written a book? It's hard. It's hard to write a book. I know that's shocking because I, I write all the time, but writing a book is just kind of a different animal. It's weird. Um, but anyway, um, go Tozer. Um, C.S. Lewis, all the greats. I'm like, Lord, give me that anointing, something, anything. Throw me a bone. So anyway, um, but a prophet came and he said, don't wait to release the message until the book comes out. But they have to have the message now. And so that next Sunday, I said, all right, Lord, I hear what you're saying. So the first couple of weeks, I talked to you about the prophetic and how God broke in over my life. And he said, um, rebuild Zerubbabel's temple in a nutshell. Um, and he said that, 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 the, that the clashing of these two, the, the, the light and the darkness, is basically about bringing his people out of Babylonian captivity. I mean, he told me that. And, and, and as he was telling me these things, I hadn't even read the Bible at the time. And I was like, what are you talking about? You know, and so I was, I was just trying to follow through these last 15 years the breadcrumbs that the Lord was giving to me and, and just trying to be faithful. So I've actually been studying Zerubbabel for 15 years, right? There are other books in the Bible that are good, but Zerubbabel to me is, is where I live and what I eat. So as I take you through the teaching on Zerubbabel's temple, I'm really trying not to, not to take you through the microscopic view of it because I do want you to enjoy the whole story. But there are parts of it that are revelatory that I really need to not just take you through the forest along the trail to enjoy the ride, but I just need to, for you to look at maybe one of the trees because one of the trees along the way will be significant to their journey. And so I, I'm just trying to, to, to uh, stay in rhythm with the Lord uh, on that. And so anyway... Today, what I want to talk about is I want to specifically, where's my clicker? Is my clicker there? Did I leave it? Okay, thank you. Um, I want to talk about, today, I want to talk about the Exodus. Um, because Zerubbabel did a couple of things. He, uh, he led the second Exodus, and he built the second temple. And in the history, in biblical history, when there's an exodus, there was always a temple. When you see God saying, rebuild my temple, or when God is saying in the land, when he, for example, was Zerubbabel's temple, he released two angels to speak to prophets. He came himself. He has made it very clear that he is reestablishing another temple in the earth. Does that mean that what Jesus did, because Jesus did it all on the cross, does that mean there's more to do? It just means that, as I said the first through our first teaching, is that God said that in the last days the books will be opened. And what is there is there 
but what we will be able to comprehend will become greater because he is releasing these books, meaning the revelation of the books that are there. And so I believe there's something here in the message of Zerubbabel that's going to cause the people of God to go to a deeper, a wider, and a, a, a higher level of worship and a higher level of understanding of the nature of God. Um, now, I believe that right now in the earth, God is, is taking his people out of captivity. I believe that there is, a, there is an exodus that's happening. And every time in biblical history when an exodus has happened, God has broken in to judge the land and to judge the, the wickedness in the land. And what happened through that is it caused the people of God to be extracted from that so that they could worship him. So hopefully I, I plan on, on, on showing you that today. All right, last week we talked about how the children of God, how Jeremiah had prophesied to, uh, to uh, Israel, and he kept telling them over and over and over again, listen, you guys need to get right with God. You need to repent so that he can heal your land. You need to quit um, killing your children and sacrificing your children on the altar of Baal. You need to stop listening to the words of Baal and, 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 and believing the words of Baal and worshiping him over God. Because uh, uh, John was right. I think it was you that said God is a jealous God. He is a jealous God. Why? Because you are his. We belong to him. We are married to him. We are his bride. Have you ever seen the, I was, I was at a wedding last night. Have you ever seen the way that a husband looks at his new bride? He is so excited about the wedding day. He is so excited to have her for his own and he's not willing to share her. And so that's what happened with Israel. You had a series of kings that came after David and Solomon who did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And it went like this. Every now and then you'd have a righteous king, but he wouldn't live for very long. And the righteousness would not stay in the land because another king would come along that would cause the people to sin and cause the people to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. So Jeremiah said, listen, God's going to give you a royal 70-year spanking if you guys don't make it right. If you don't straighten up, you're going to be grounded. It's time out. And so they did not listen because all they wanted to do was listen to peace, peace, the itching ears and the false prophets in the land. So God did. He caused Babylon to come upon them. And King Nebuchadnezzar took them away, including the royal family. And the king at the time was Jeconiah, okay? Jeconiah and his royal family were taken into Babylonian captivity. And, and, and the Lord told uh, 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 Jeremiah at the time, he goes, listen, um, you're going to get taken. Jeremiah told all of the people, you're going to get taken into Babylonian captivity, but there is hope and a promise because I'm going to bring you back to the land of promise after 70 years. And in that place, I will prosper you. And in that place, I will hear your prayers. So today, God still has a promise for us. And he's saying, Stop doing what you're doing and come back into my heart. So after they were in captivity for 70 years, um, God was good on his word. 
And while they were in captivity, Jeconiah had a son, and his son had a son. And so 70 years goes by. Think about this. Think about if we all got taken to Mexico, right? And we're all hanging out in Mexico, and we're all slaves, right? I, I know, you're thinking about Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> but <laughs> let's say it's Juarez, okay? Uh, <laughs> anyway, so we're all there, and we're actually slaves to the king in Mexico. Uh, and the Lord told us, listen, I know that you're going to be slaves, but I want you to prosper in that place, and I want you to have kids, and I want you to plant gardens and everything. So the 70 years is up. Well, everybody here, you would be grandma and grandpa by that time. You will have had a child, and your child would have had a child, and then the time of the 70 years is up, and what happens is that God raises up another king that conquers Nebuchadnezzar at the 70-year mark. And so that king, his name is Cyrus. Say Cyrus. Cyrus. Cyrus is a very important prophetic symbol because I believe that there are Cyruses in the land even today. And I think there, well, never mind. I'm not going to get into that. Yeah, you know what I'm about to say. Read between the lines. <clears throat> Make America great. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So here's the thing about the line of the kings. These kings were out of the tribe of Judah. Okay. That's an important thing to remember. The kings were in the tribe of Judah. So as um, Jeconiah is having his lineage is carrying on, it is a pure lineage of the kingship and the kings of the land. Okay. And so what... What um, happens is they have this grandson named Zerubbabel, um, and um, Zerubbabel now is, is an adult, and Cyrus comes upon the scene. I want you to turn in your Bibles to um, Isaiah 44, because Cyrus, okay, let me tell you something about this guy. He becomes king of all of Babylon, or all of Persia. Uh, and um, he's the same as Nebuchadnezzar. You know, he's not Jewish. He's not part of God's chosen people. This is a man that, that is an evil king. You know, he's having orgies. These guys, if you ever see, have seen the movie 300, that's who these guys were. That was, that was a depiction of these kings during that time. And so it says in uh, Isaiah 44, God spoke to Isaiah 150 years before Cyrus came into power. 150 years. And he said through Isaiah this, uh, verse 28, who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and he shall perform all my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built and to the temple, your foundation shall be laid. And in, verse, uh, in chapter 45, verse 1, Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him and to loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. And I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches in secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by name, am the God of Israel. Guys, 
He raised up a king. This king was not a righteous man, but he did the bidding of the Lord because Cyrus, even his name, was determined by God. His mother didn't know what to name him, but God knew what his name would be and God knew what he would do and that he would do his will. Don't worry about who is sitting in that White House because God will change the hearts and minds of man when he's moving in the land and there's a huge exodus happening. That president will do the bidding of God. Amen. So what happens is it was actually Cyrus that said, hey, I want you guys to go into the library and I want you to go through the scrolls of the land of Nebuchadnezzar and let's just see what's going on and see where the statutes are and the laws and and what King Nebuchadnezzar has been up to because I'm going to rule and reign now and I've got to pick up what he's doing and see what what changes we're going to make. And so his council goes in and they said, hey, there's a letter here from this guy named Jeremiah. And Jeremiah said that at 70 years, these people are supposed to go back and build their temple. And Cyrus says, I think that's a good idea. (laughs) Now, these are his slaves. It makes absolutely no sense. And he said, you know what? And in in Ezra chapter 1, verse 1, it says that the spirit of Cyrus was actually awakened. And the spirit of Cyrus came alive, and all of a sudden, God did his bidding through him. And he said, he said I'm going to write a decree, and the decree is to the Jewish people. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go back, you're going to leave Babylon, and you're going to go back into Jerusalem, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to tell all the people of the land to give you all of the silver and gold, and they're going to give you livestock, and I am going to give you and return to you all the articles of the temple. So here's the rubable, and the people of the land who have homes, and they have generations of homes, and, you know, they, they shop at the butchers. Here's the grocery store where they shop. They've developed habits. Don't you know we are people of uh, comfort and people that get into routines, and we love our routines, right? And so, so Zerubbabel, they all know Zerubbabel because they know he's in the line of the king. And they're thinking to themselves, wait, the 70 years are up. God is going to reestablish the kingdom like it was with David. We're going to follow Zerubbabel, some of us. And don't you know that during that time, the word says that only a remnant went with him. That even the majority of the people would not go because they were so set in their ways. Queen Esther is one of these. She stayed in Babylon. She's like, hey, it's comfortable, it's good. You know, I think I'm going to hang out here. So there's this this small group of people, like your 10 percenters, that are hearing the call to go. And so they go with Zerubbabel, and I'm going to give you just a brief summary of, of what happened. So he goes over, he's got the money, Um, he's got the money, he's got the stuff, he's got the goats, he's got the wildlife, he's got everything he needs in order to do the sacrifices and to begin building the temple. So they go, it was was Zerubbabel, it was Joshua, and it was uh, the remnant of the people, and they laid the foundation. And it, it it says that 
that the, the people that had never seen the former temple in its glory, they rejoiced after they had laid the foundation. But it also says that the, that the people who were older who saw Solomon's temple, they wept bitterly because they said, is this not nothing in our eyes? This temple doesn't even compare to the glory of the latter temple. And, and so there was this whole mixed emotions, all these mixed emotions that were going on. And, and so as they began to continue in the building, the people of the land began to come against them in the building because they were actually building in the midst of the Babylonians. Because Babylonians didn't leave. They were still there in Israel. They were surrounded and trying to build the temple of the Lord in the middle of the enemy's camp. Now, doesn't that sound familiar to where we are today? And so the people began to discourage them. They began to bring accusations against them, and they began to bring confusion into their camp. And so the, the, the building of the temple stopped until the Lord sent two prophets. He sent Haggai, and he sent um, Zechariah. And the whole book of Haggai is dedicated to the, build, the rebuilding of the second temple. And the whole book of Haggai is, is prophesied to Zerubbabel. But don't you know that as the Lord told me and told us, I'm rebuilding Zerubbabel's temple, I want you to have this baby, uh, most of what Haggai prophesied never came to pass in the second temple. I believe that what he was saying was for this last day church, and we'll get more into that um, with the next teaching and how it applies to today and how all of those prophecies apply to you, your generation, and your children, and, and what God has called us to do and how God has called us to uh, what, what we're called to not only receive but, but give away. Amen? Um, and then in Zechariah, there, there are, are two chapters in Zechariah, Zechariah 3 and 4, that are, uh, that where he prophesies to Zerubbabel. Okay, let's see where I am here. Okay, let's talk about his name. You know, when God names people, he names them for a reason. Like, for example, my name, uh, it means, um, uh, what does my name mean? <laughs> warring, warring Harvester. Warring Harvester. And those of you that know me know that that's exactly who I am. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm fire. I burn all the time. And a lot of people can't, you know, they're like, whoa, you're too intense. Just chill, you know. Let's just lay back and enjoy life a little. But, but the kingdom. So, anyway, there are, there are uh, two words that, two root words that make up the name Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel um, basically means seed of Babylon. But if you, if you go a little bit deeper and you study it out, Zerub means to wax warm, which, um, which basically means that it's to perish or to be dissipated, to pour out, to flow off or away a narrow channel. And, then, and the word Babylon or Babel means confusion. It means confusion of speech or, or, or confusion of sound. Now, how many of you know that the land that we're living in today is Babel? Yeah. Remember when the Lord told me, when he said, this is what I'm doing, rebuild my temple. And I said, Lord, why are you doing this? He said, it's about Babylon. It's about a people that he is extracting out of a system of the earth that has created confusion of their speech and confusion in their minds because of the speech and the sound that's in the land. 
So basically, you can surmise this, Zerubbabel, it means to flow off or away from confusion. Now, what happened with the snake in the garden? He was talking it up, wasn't he? It said that there was a hissing that the snake was doing in the garden. That hissing word means divination. Divination means confusion. Uh, Bill Johnson said when you've been touched by confusion, you know you've been touched by witchcraft. It It is the way that the enemy moves. He moves through divination, which creates a confusing state that the people are in. And as long as you're confused, you are not awake in your spirit eyes and your spirit heart. All right, so I already told you at the 70-year mark, finds the letter, spirit moves on him. We've already gone through all of that. Commands the people to give the silver and the gold. Um, Returns the article. Okay, this is what Zerubbabel did. He did two things. This man was a very busy man. You've got King, King David and Solomon that built the first temple. You've got Moses that led the second exodus, and this guy did both. All right, so I want to take you through. I know you can't see this, but I'm going to talk to it. I want to take you through um, some similarities that I have found in all of the exoduses, and I think you will see a lot of where we are today. Um, Like I said before, every time there's been an exodus, there's been a building or a rebuilding of a temple. Now, the historical nature of a biblical exodus means this. It means that it means a people going out, a departure, or a migration of people. Um, Every biblical exodus has been against all odds. It's been set in a difficult political and cultural condition. It's when God's people were at their weakest, when they were saying, I don't know how much more and how much longer I can hang on. Because they have the promise, they know the promise is out there, but the promise has tarried, therefore the people of God have become and grown weary in doing good. And that's what happened with every single biblical exodus. And that's where God supernaturally moves on their behalf. So there are eight similarities in these exoduses. Number one, shaking the systems of the earth. With Moses, it was the ten judgments. With um, Zerubbabel, it was when Nebuchadnezzar was uh, conquered. With Jesus, it was the Pharisees persecuting him and crucifying him and just the shaking of, of one system and into another. And today there will be with the capstone generation and the last generation, it will be a shaking. And I hope to prove that to you over the next several weeks. Um, second, a remnant always led the way. Guys, I'm telling you, the road is narrow. Just as I said with Zerubbabel's name, it is a narrow way. It, it, the dissipating from one system that we're all accustomed to into a new way of living and a new and saying yes. There are very few in the land that have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, and it's very lonely because you're called forerunners. You are running before the rest of the tribe. And one of the things that Mike Bickle said, the things that you labor for today which is not common in the body of Christ, will become common in the next 10 years. And that's the essence and the virtue and the nature of a forerunner. It's lonely. Get over it. 
All right? Not a lot of people are going to be running with you. You've got to find the tribe of people that are going to run and have the same kind of gait that you have so that you can be strengthened in the running. All right, number three. The gold and the silver were transferred to the saints by the people of the land. Shandala Bahalabaki. Get your baskets ready. All right, a number four, a great awakening of the eyes and ears to access the truth. Number five, out of slavery in our spirit, souls, and bodies. Number six, all exodus had a time of waiting between the deliverance and the fulfillment of the promises. Initiated, it was initiated, then there was a pause, then there was a reinitiation. Uh, number seven, God's people were taken out of captivity, out of the grip of the enemy by supernatural means. And number eight, God's people built a temple of worship, meaning they lived in a state of awakening. Come on, you should be excited about this. All right, the Exodus similarities. All right, Moses. Uh, the word Egypt means a limiting or a hemming in. The name Moses means a drawing out of water or rescued. The message of Moses or that Moses proclaimed was let my people go so they can worship me in the wilderness. And God said to him the whole time, I will be with you. All right, Zerubbabel, Babylonian, Babylon means confusion, Zerubbabel, out of confusion. I already uh, reviewed that. His message was return to build the temple of worship. God said to Zerubbabel and the people of the land, I will be with you. Why is that important? Because it's scary. Because he knows, listen, you're going to need me. You're going to need the confidence that I am, I am with you. Don't be afraid. There's giants in the land, P.S., and, and, and uh, with Moses, he, he said, listen, I'm going to deliver you into the promised land, which is inhabited by your enemies. The Hittites, the Canaanites, all of these ites are in the land, but I'm going to be with you. Isn't that awesome? So Jesus comes on the scene, right? And he's like, hey, my name means Jehovah is salvation, and I am going to take you out of the system of the law the external into an internal life in God. I am going to take you out of the place of legalism and religion, and I'm going to move you into a place of grace and freedom in the spirit. And Jesus' message was out of Luke 4.18, and he said, Hey, I've come. I'm announcing it. Dun, da, da, da. I'm setting the captives free. And when I free you, your eyes are going to be opened to see God, and from now on, the, the, the veil will be torn, and, and you guys are going to get to relate to God. And he said, I'm doing this to rebuild the temple. Remember, he talked about a temple with, that is not made with hands, and he said, again, a temple is being established, and, I, and I'm releasing you to rebuild the temple so that you can worship me in spirit and in truth. And he said this, he said, the Father is with me in this. He and I are one. I got somebody, I got, I got a pal in this. He and I are doing this together. And so then there is, whoop, and then you've got the church and the sons of God, all right? There was a foundation that was laid, but there is also a capstone that is coming. And in the same way, we are going to function in the same dispensation that they functioned in the laying of the foundation, it, the people of God will function in bringing the last days or the capstone of the building. Are you all with me? All right, so the, the ecclesia, 
That word is not a building. It doesn't mean a building. You know how today they talk about the church? They talk about the church building. No, it is a people group, the called out ones, a worshiping assembly, a governmental body. That's what that means. It is a, we have been called out for worship and for rulership. We have been called out of the world into the glorious kingdom. Our message is not that of the church, but the last day message is that of the kingdom, which had the message of the kingdom, guys, hasn't been seen in the earth in two thousand years that's why you begin to talk about the kingdom and functioning as kings in the land and most of the church looks at you like what are you talking about what are you talking about heaven what are you talking about living out of heaven that you know we're here jesus died on the cross so that we can have the best life that we're supposed to have today i'm sorry partner in my sufferings you know, releasing light, being sons of light. So our message is the message of Isaiah 61. The message of Isaiah 61 is where Jesus got his message of Luke 4.18. Luke 4.18 is a small part of Isaiah 61. Luke 4.18 is a very personal, I'm going to unlock my people, I'm going to set you free, and Isaiah 61 takes it to the streets, takes it, and it's more of a corporate word that the people of the land will see that you are priests of the Most High God. I desire, and this is what he said to the church, I desire that you will be with me where I am. He said, listen, you need to be with me. He said, I told the first two, I will be with you, but I'm telling you, you need to be with me. You need to come up to heaven, get what I have, and then take it back down. I died so you could have authority to usher in the kingdom into the earth and be ambassadors of every word that I speak. All right, the great pause. Don't y'all love that? Yeah, the great pause. So in every single exodus, there's been a pause. Okay? During Moses, 40 years. Hit the pause button. Zerubbabel, 16 years. Hit the pause button. Jesus, 50 days. What were they doing in that upper room? They were praying. Oh, thank you. How did you know? You must be prophetic. Sons of God, 2,000 years. There is a pause that has happened. We're going to cover that next week. I'm not going to talk to you about that now because we don't have enough time. But there's something that's stirring, and there's an exodus that's happening, and it's happening all throughout the earth. And I'm telling you, the sons of God, the sons of light, are about to be seen in the land again as they were in the beginning. The level of, of, of power that they were walking in because of many of the things that happened during the first couple of exoduses. The first exodus, it was unbelief and it was disobedience. In the second exodus, there was a pause because the people of the land brought confusion, accusation, and discouragement. And so these are the things that cause the church to stop building. And I'm not talking about a building. 
I'm not talking about a physical building. I mean, it stops us. This is a corporate word, but it's a personal word because I'll guarantee you that the glory of God that is, that is going to be seen in you, the enemy does not want to see that happen. And so, therefore, he is going to do everything he can to discourage your temple and the glory of God being seen in your temple in the land. And so he will either try to get you into rebellion or he will try to discourage the building and the way that you are growing in God. And he'll do it through accusing you. And it won't be, it'll be from your brethren. It will not be from the people of the land because you don't care when, you know, like an unbeliever comes to accuse you. You're like, whatever. But it'll be a Judas kiss to try to get you to stop. Okay, how y'all doing? Are y'all having fun? So two things. God's people were taken out from under the enemy. They were, they were, they were, they, they came out and it was by God's hand that he brought them out. So when you begin to see shaking in the earth, I don't want you to accuse God. Because God is actually answering your prayers. He is actually setting you free, even though you don't understand. You know, the people of God during the time of Moses, they were looking going, well, you know, gosh, it's getting pretty hard. You know, we're having to build bricks without any straw. You know, this, I, I, I don't even know how that works. But anyway, um, they must have been pretty uh, industrious. But um, so... So here we are in the midst of all of this, but the beauty behind every exodus is that God protected his people. I mean, the people during the time of Moses, they were in the land of Goshen. Their lights did not go out. Their cattle did not die, you know? And then when they left, they left, and, and Moses commanded them by the hand of God to go and get the gold and the silver from the people and Trust me, the people of God were going, or the people of the land were like, yes, take our gold and silver. Please leave. Look what you've brought on us. Go out and build your temple. And it's going to be very similar today. So over the next several years, as things begin to, you know, shake, don't look at the shaking. Just worship the Lord, realizing that we are actually being set free and God is getting his harvest. Amen. God's people will build temples of worship and they will awaken. God is answering the cries of his people as he did every single time when they were crying out in the land of their oppressors. They were crying out, save us, save us. And so God comes to save us and he shakes everything that can be shaken to bring us to the desire of all nations, which is Jesus. And we have to say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Okay, so next week, the prophet Sharon Stone is coming to see us. Believe me, you do not want to miss this. She is about this tall. It's incredible. And there is more power on that woman that I have seen, and it's just so rare. But she travels about 325 days out of the year. I have rarely witnessed an accurate prophetic word that has so much authority and power that when she speaks... She actually creates the thing that she's saying. So do not miss it. She will also be giving some prophetic words, so invite your friends to come. Um, 
And then after that, I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to talk to you about uh, a message from heaven to Zerubbabel and how it relates to us today and what the Lord is saying prophetically to us today. Does that sound good? All right, well, let's pray. Here's what I, before I do this, I just want to encourage you guys over the next couple of days, really be in the place of prayer. I hope that you're joining us on our fast. If you haven't so far, it's not too late. Uh, Lou Engel called an Esther fast, which is no food, no water. If you, if you feel the, uh, the Holy Spirit calling you to do that, I've done three Esther fasts. It's incredible. Get out your lotion. That's all I can say about that. Um, and mouthwash. <laughs> gum. Don't you gum when you haven't had any water. Ooh. Anyway, um, so I just really want to encourage you to stay in a place in a posture of prayer. Just believing and release heaven. Don't look at what the enemy's doing. Okay? Release heaven. Look at what heaven's doing. And speak that. Speak over the polls. Speak over the voting booths. Speak life over these things. Speak life, life, life. Release life. That's what we're called to do. So, Father, we do. We just thank you for your words in the land, that your words speak a higher word and a better word than that of Abel, God. We just bless. I just bless you, and I thank you, Lord, for a body of people that are so on fire, so zealous, so sharp, God. Would you awaken our eyes? Would you speak to us in the night, God? Would you give us dreams? Would you give us visions, God? We want to be your forerunners in the land in this hour, and we bless you, God, for all all you're doing and we say that your ways are right and true in Jesus name and everybody said amen, amen.